You're listening to a podcast by the Center for Action and Contemplation. To learn more, visit cac.org. The Lord be with you. The reading from the Holy Gospel is written to us by Luke. If you're following along, I'm reading the shorter form, which is already too much to talk about. Jesus said to his disciples, Gird your loins, light your lamps, and be like servants who await their master's return from a wedding feast, ready to open immediately when he comes and knocks. Now blessed are those servants whom the master finds vigilant on his arrival. I say to you, Then the Lord will gird himself, have the servants recline at table, and proceed to wait on them. And should he come even in the second or the third watch and find them prepared in this way, how happy will those servants be? Be sure of this. If the master of the house had known the hour when the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. So you must all be prepared. At an hour you do not expect, the great human divine one will come. This is the gospel of the Lord. I'm afraid that most people hear this gospel as a threat. It's just the way we're trained to hear divine words. If you do this or if you don't do that, I'm going to punish you. It's actually offering a surprise and an opportunity. It's saying that God always comes unexpected. And if you're not expecting, it won't happen. Really. If you're not allowing, it won't happen. If you're say, saying that can never happen to me, well, it can never happen to you. It's got for me a, a most amazing line, which I tried to emphasize. It has the Lord, as it were, reversing roles and proceeding to wait on us. You think of yourself, as we probably rightly should, as waiting on God. That's our role. We're the servants. He's the Lord. But in this particular passage, he says, no, I'll be the servant to teach you how to do it, how to love, how to love rightly. And you don't love by domineering, you love by vulnerability, waiting, trusting, service. It's very unfortunate that our Western church concept of faith is almost entirely about believing certain doctrines to be true. It's just not what he's talking about. He's talking about a great big game of catch 
It was the best metaphor I could think of this morning. Where God throws a little bit of God's heart, God's mind to you. If you trust it and you catch it, you'll be inclined to throw it back. And that begins the great intimate inner dialogue we call prayer. And once it starts, and once it becomes very real, there's really no stopping it. And you can, as Paul says in his letters, pray always. If you haven't prayed at all this morning, you've never thrown a little piece of your heart, your mind, your body, your soul to God, and let him throw it back, and you say, okay, now I'm at church, now I can pray. You're probably not going to know how to pray now, either. Either your whole life becomes a prayer, and I mean that, a life of conscious union with a loving God, or the whole thing falls apart. And what we clergy are so often trying to do not very successfully, if we look at the streets of our country, is we're trying to inaugurate a, a deep, intimate, inner love life between the soul and God with people to whom it doesn't come naturally. They live much of their life just, well, you know, watching the news and getting angrier moment by moment by moment. Instead of love being thrown your way, forgiveness being flown your, thrown your way, it's lies, it's arrogance, it's pride, it's delusion. And this week we even had a, an attack on your people. The Mexican people are now the bad ones. Who will it be next week? It's the exact opposite of faith. So I want you to think of faith not so much as believing things. Throw that out. It doesn't help. I hope you believe a few things, but it doesn't make you holy because you believe things. It really doesn't. It makes you feel superior, maybe saved. But instead of believing things, I want to call faith trusting reality. And God could be called reality with a face. If you don't trust reality, you don't trust God. If you don't trust God, you don't trust reality. You pick and choose. Well, I trust white people, but not brown people. I trust black people, but not white people. Whatever choice you make, where you're choosing among those, all of us living in this one, one, one human reality, uh, you end up pretty stupid. I don't know what else to say. And we're living right now in the middle of a very stupid country. Very dangerously stupid. Uh, and we're all saying, how did we get here? Was there this much fear, this much hatred harbored in this many people's hearts? Jesus is actually presenting himself as the divine thief, the divine burglar, 
who comes in the middle of the night when you're only half expecting and steals your heart. Now, if your heart, your body, your mind, your soul are too uh, guarded, too defended, too surrounded with barbed wire and fence posts, uh, God doesn't have a chance. The only way God can get in is by ambush. He has to come when you're not so guarded, when you're not so protected. So he calls it the second or third watch in the middle of the night. Often God comes in dreams when you're not as defended. So listen to your dreams, except when they're nightmares. Those are coming from somewhere else. So whenever you throw out the ball of love, there is someone there to catch it. And the reason you know it was caught is because it's thrown back to you. And you will experience that throwing back in the divine game of catch as mercy, never judgment, never. If it's judgment, it's not God. I mean that. I know some of you will want to fight me on it. If it's God, it's always mercy. It's always love. It's always forgiveness. It's always acceptance. God is a great big catcher's man. He can catch all of you, every part of you. But that's just real hard for us to believe because most of us hate so many parts of ourselves. We figure if I hate it, I guess God hates it too. You can't pull God down to your level. How many times, I guess, have I said this, forgive me if I'm repeating, but God is infinite love. Infinite. What's half of infinite? Come on. You're not saying it with much enthusiasm. You're a typical Catholic congregation. If I had black people here, they would have yelled it back. They know how to throw the ball back and forth, but uh, what's half of infinite? What's a fourth of infinite? What's one millionth of an infinite? That's God. And you're that little one millionth which God has no trouble throwing the ball of love back to. And the way you recognize its love is you will experience, experience, the way you'll recognize its God, excuse me, is you will experience it as love. Unconditional, infinite love. What else could God be who creates these beautiful landscapes we have in New Mexico. Who creates this beautiful sunrise that a lot of us don't even take the time to listen to because we've already turned on CNN to hear what stupid things he said today. What a waste of time. Don't miss divine sunrises, sunsets. That gets you in touch 
with the great big baseball game of catch where God is surprisingly throwing little darts of love your way. Now, if you don't see them, if you don't appreciate them, and therefore throw them back, they get lost, and nothing new happens. So I want you to trust that it's being thrown your way all the time, every day. I don't think most of America knows that, but you now do.